Welcome to the Stacked Supplement Podcast, the premier source for supplement news and reviews. Thank you for tuning in to another Stacked Supplement Podcast interview. And with me uh, today, I have uh, a very special guest and our second ingredient company personality on the show. And uh, coming all the way from Nutrition 21, it's uh, Todd Spear. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't I don't know that I've ever been called an ingredient personality before. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, this is the second time I've done one of these. It's not. Yeah. I usually do these things where I'm like, it's the face of so-and-so brand. It's the maker of. And it's different. It, I'm bringing ingredient specialists in from into this podcast system that's it's it's not really i don't really i don't think you people like yourself really get the chance to do this kind of thing or just to just to chat we and don't chat. yeah and I, I feel really weird sometimes though because i know like i'm asking something of someone who they probably never even thought that they, <laughs> they would be asked to do <laughs> well uh hit away i will uh i'll do the best that i can <laughs> so Firstly, you've been around in the industry for like a tremendous amount of time, right? Like when we yeah, chatted at Expo West. 20, uh, 20 years. Yeah, like, no, 21 years now. Yeah. And so so I'm, my career is a drinking age. It's not, it's not <laughs> a co- coincidence in Nutrition 21, 21 years. So how long have you been with, <laughs> with, with Nutrition 21? Uh, nine years. Okay, nine years. So you joined yeah. uh, early 2010. So it's kind of pretty much... So I had, a, like I said, I had a podcast with Compound Solutions the other day. And I, one of the topics that I brought up was like, for me, I got into the industry at around 2011 um, mm-hmm. or stacked it. And uh, I've just been very impressed and very fascinated with the, not necessarily takeover, but just the growth of the industry, sports nutrition industry and the branded ingredient, premium ingredient. Uh, companies because back then there weren't that many uh you obviously had a few but it just seems like in the past five years there's just been this real drive and search for reliable ingredients and these companies have like yourself have come to the call and really just put together reliable things and we're, we're at the point now where we are looking for these ingredients not necessarily looking for like the caffeine at this amount, the, we know these things by their branded names. And I think that's a real impressive thing to do. And, and companies like yourself have done it subtly. I think it's almost just done really well that you don't see it. So how, how, how have you kind of seen coming from early 2010s? Just- yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's you bring a really good point. Um, so I started in, the, in this industry in, you know, 2001. Um, and at that time I was working as a formulator for a couple of small brands and I spent about a dozen years formulating and early on in my career, I felt like I was expending a lot of time, um, trying to figure out what was a good ingredient, right? And you can test, um, you know, you, but, you know, I always say like, the lesson I think most people end up having, you know, as formulators having to learn is that you can't truly test the quality. Um, and the example I use is um, you may, do you remember um, the melamine and protein scare in the, I don't know, 26, 2006, 2007. Nah. Um, my, so my, my what, first what, supplement what, was, was 2009. Just. <laughs> 
So, so this was, now you're making me feel old. Um, <laughs> so what happened was um, protein in China. So there was like, it was being used in baby formula. Oh, no, no, no. I remember hearing about this, but not when I was, I remember hearing about the baby formula thing. Right. And, and so what happened was somebody figured out that you could trick, uh, you know, the protein testing. I assume they measure for nitrogen. Um, the, by, I've never sold protein, so I don't really know what the measures are that you yeah. measure. Um, but so they were putting melamine, which is like a hard plastic in like these milk protein products as kind of a way of tricking uh, the test so that people think that they were getting a higher percentage protein than they actually were. Um, it was kind of like before amino. Uh, yeah, spiking, I was going to say right? they sound like amino spiking, but worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, it killed, it literally killed a bunch of people, including oh a, lot of, a lot of infants. When I say a lot, I don't really remember the numbers, but like I feel like in the 20, 30, maybe more range in China. And so then everybody in the U.S. was saying, oh, you know, we got to test our protein, blah, 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 because we've been buying it from China. And as I recall, the really, I don't believe that there was a problem in the U.S. with this. But for me, as then at a formulator, I realized like it was my oh shit moment because it's like yeah. I can test for everything that I know or suspect that's in there, but I would have never suspected. No one suspected melamine being in protein until babies started dying. Right. And so that's when I kind of realized you can't test the quality. And for me at that time, I started looking around the industry and there were good branded ingredients um, that had research done on them. And um, I started looking at those. I started looking for suppliers that weren't supplying stuff out of China um, because in it, you know, those suppliers might be sending somebody to audit, audit the facility, but, and there was certainly people in, in the industry that were going and doing the audits themselves. My thing was like, I don't speak Chinese or Mandarin and Cantonese. Like, how do I even like, you can bring me to any factory in the yeah. world or any factory in China. You can tell me, Oh, this is the factory where your product's made, but I have no idea. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the sign says. Literally don't know what the sign says. Um, and so um, that's when I really started kind of looking at um, various branded ingredients more seriously than I had before. Like we had used them. There was, you know, um, Sigma Tau made some really high quality carnitine products that we used back then. Um, we used, um, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a red wine extract, um, BP Naturals or something like that. Um, it, was owned, it was a brand owned by Constellation Wine that did some uh, clinicals. And um, so over the years, I had certainly had exposure, but that to me, um, I think was a bit of a, a, a science, a, um, a mindset change. And to me, the branded ingredients became a bit of a proxy for quality because they were investing okay. in it. It wasn't stuff that was spot by. It wasn't stuff that was, you know, just made, you didn't know where it was coming from, right? These were much more, and they weren't even necessarily all domestic companies. I remember 
I don't remember the name of the brand, but we had a green tea supplier that was coming out of China, but you know, they had invested heavily in their product and were producing a really high quality green tea product. So, I mean, don't take this as an anti-China thing. It's not, it was, like I said, that was kind of the moment for me when I realized you couldn't test the quality. You had to start with quality and branded ingredients were well established, tested. I mean, there's two kinds of branded ingredients, right? There's the generic ingredient that somebody slaps a brand on. This is this is me, me and me and Matt had this exact discussion. Yeah, there's, and there's then, a key difference. And then, yeah. yeah, and then there's this the kind where somebody owns some IP, like Nutrition Twenty One does, and you're able to invest in it. Yeah. And it's that latter that um, I think really has some value um, because you know once there's clinical trials then you can say, oh, well, this really does work. It's not just faith. It's not just, um, you know, some kind of influencer. Now, yeah. Well, in, back in the day, we always said hippy-dippy stuff, but now <laughs> the influencer-driven stuff. You know, the natural products industry kind of came out of, you know, the hippie movement, right? And yeah. um, we, we were talking about this at, at Expo. That, like, I remember the first uh, first time I went to Expo was with my brother and, I think it was 98 and it was a bunch of long haired hippies and tie dyes, you know, that owned the local community co-op and right around the mid two thousands, you started seeing people with suits and that's when, you know, as far as I'm aware, maybe someone with more experience will correct me, but that's when I really started seeing branded ingredients come around because people are investing in patents and then they were investing in the um, the IP, the the clinical studies around them. Do you think it's it's, it's in the recent years it's uh, been amplified? I think, um, like you said, you've got the increase in those ingredients that are just, like you say, branded ingredients, and that just have a brand name. Like they're just a generic, and then they have the brand name. But do you feel like? from at least from my perspective that these past few years you've seen people really really push those uh the backing like the research behind them invest in the ip a little more than and it, it just seems to really be uh driving these these uh premium ones now i i do see that and um not to sound cocky but i think that i think nutrition some of, is obviously some of the success that we've had has led to other people, uh, you know, so like our Chromex product goes back 25 years and we have 35 clinical studies. So here's, you know, an ingredient that existed before I was in the industry that had a lot of clinical research, um, has always been um, a science-backed ingredient. I suspect that 25 years ago, that was a much different, much harder sell than it is now. I can tell you nine years ago when I would go in and talk to customers, like here's our clinical data, here's what you can say. It was a very different conversation than what you can say today or not what I can say, but how people react to it. You know, they're absolutely, when I meet with a formulator, you know, whether it's a, you know, a Drew Peters or, 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 or whomever, you know, they are, their questions are very different. It is, all right, what's your science look like? What, um, 
know, show me your, your clinical studies, show me your claims. Um, it's not, whereas before, it was much more about educating. People were like, oh, wow, you have actual research because yeah. it wasn't something that everybody did. And, and obviously not everybody does now. Um, obviously a brand like Matt's done a great job. I mean, with uh, tea, cream, dynamine, um, you know, those are products I'm very familiar with. He's got a lot of products that yeah, I'm not yeah, familiar yeah. with. But those were ones that I know that he's invested in very heavily. Um, and he's partnered with, you know, some, some good partners. And they put really good money or some serious money into good clinical studies. And I, I think I think now you see that more more now than yeah. you did nine yeah. years ago, for sure. Do you think that's come from just sort of the the demand for it sort of with the, these brands, like you said, with the increased competition, these companies really want to help and separate themselves. And, or do you think it's sort of been the ingredient companies that just like, we need to, we need to kick some stuff up. We need to start ramping it up. And you guys are there I, at the right time. I, be I believe it was driven by consumers. Um, and for years when I would meet people at a parties or whatever, and they'd say, Oh, you're, you're in dietary supplements. And then here comes like the next five questions. I know, I knew what they were going to be. Like, <laughs> who has good products? How do you know if it's a good product? Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, <laughs> you probably run into the same thing. No, and, not, yeah. um, but, um, so, uh, what I think is that as people, you know, the supplement industry has grown tremendously over the last oh, yeah. uh, 10 and, and 20 years. Um, the, and as a result, people have become more um, involved. Maybe it's not the right term, but uh, more interested and more engaged. That's the word I was looking That's for. Good, engaged yeah. in what it is that they're taking. It's no longer like, oh, I just want to take this multivitamin. It's like, oh, I know that a good multivitamin uh, has methylcobalamin in it, not cyanocobalamin, right? <laughs> Literally, I, I look at forms and people will cite that. And frankly, that's one of my checks. I like, oh, which forms yeah. are they using, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so people are aware that, you know, that there's different levels of bioavailability. And, um, you know, when I came to Nutrition 21, um, Nutrition 21 had recently been purchased. And one of the questions they asked me was, well, when you were a formulator, how did you choose to pick an ingredient? And I said, oh, it was real easy. I had our customer service trained um, that when someone called, up and asked for something specific that we didn't have my customer service sent me an email and said i just got a call looking for you know dma that was a popular one in yeah, the box. Yeah. and that's how we ended up selling dma right and and by the way in our search engine i used to capture uh i'm not our search engine but on our website i would capture yeah, the, searches the search history and yeah. take and take yeah and take a look at the search history so I made decisions based on, you know, what people were looking for. And I said, you know, another thing I said was, um, I remember at one point a salesman telling me, oh, we're going to have a million dollar 
advertising campaign on this. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Where are you spending the dollars? He's like, trade magazine. I was like, that's not awesome. Because all you're doing is promoting it to other people like me. And you're counting on me to do the heavy list lifting and get the consumers to come to it, right? Like, that's not like your job should be getting the consumers coming looking for your ingredient. And so that's what new, when I started with Nutrition 21, um, they, they liked that uh, approach. And we started back then, the muscle magazines were still important. We started advertising nitrosagene in the muscle magazines. And brands started coming to us and saying, like, hey, I see you're advertising your brand. Like, yeah, to the consumer, you know. Um, and, and so I think that um, obviously we're not solely responsible. There's lots of other companies that did that. But I think that that kind of change where um, brands started, you know, targeting um, the consumer, the end user, um, and, and when I say targeting, I mean like, you know, addressing, explaining yeah. why my yeah. ingredients better, right? Building you awareness. Be looking for, <clears throat> right. Building awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that changed things. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see, um, more quality branded ingredients today than you did, you know, a decade, two decades ago. Yeah, it's kind of funny, funny too, because if you think about it, like, you gotta, in order to come up with a new good and branded ingredient, you gotta, right now, you basically gotta create something new, right? You can't just, I mean, because all of the generics are done. You can't take a generic and do research. I mean, some people have done branded generics successfully, but I think that's from a company position, that's a really hard sell. Yeah, the uh, the new the new thing, obviously, with with this with the safety involved and the pricing on that, it's makes it even even harder. And obviously, the Trostogene yeah. has been around, but I noticed on the list of Nutrition Twenty Ones, or at least not even on the list, just the ones that I see, just a tremendous amount. Nitrosogene, um, obviously, one of them. And it, I was interested in how you mentioned you looked up the search and you saw what people were asking for. Is that kind of mm-hmm one of the things that has spurred on some of uh, the more recent stuff, like the, like the new level, uh, the Velocitol, the, um, I think it was the, the beauty one you guys have as well. Like these, yeah, these sort of things that, cause obviously it's, well, hard. it's like the chicken and the egg thing. Cause I know that gaming's come on very strong in the past few years. Beauty has too. And you guys have coincidentally just kind of been there waiting kind of thing. Well, I would say that actually really comes out of our R&D team. Well, really, not just our R&D team is a big part of it. Um, We have an outstanding R&D team. But, you know, we have um, a... a, um, uh, Shoot, I hate when I forget words. Um, We have a culture in the company where basically anybody can suggest anything when we get in these meetings. And we'll say, hey what is the next thing we should be looking at? And, um, you know, I don't remember, it's been too long. I don't remember exactly how Velocitol came about, but it was something along the lines of, um, well, you know, protein's really big right now. I, to but be honest, really, I, I don't want to yeah. jump like in, but I, I recall it coming about and it, cause now it's very common for you to get digestive enzymes and probiotics and protein powder. Mm-hmm. 
And around the early stages of that trend where it was people were making a big deal about it, um, like I said, now it's more commonplace, but that was kind of around the time that Velocitol sort of just rolled out. And yeah. I was like, this is incredible timing. Yeah. Um, and so we basically looked at that market and said, well, here, you, I mean, the problem with protein at that time, and I think probably largely today is, you know, it's essentially commodity, right? It's um, how does your protein stand out? And at one time it was solely flavor. Um, now I think there's, you know, different protein blends and flavors and, you know, additives, right? And so we looked at that and we said, what are some things that you can do to, uh, you know, basically make someone's protein better? Um, and the enzyme thing came up. Well, you know, enzymes not may not necessarily be good thing to add with your protein, right? Follow my logic here. When I yeah. say it's not necessarily a good thing to put with your protein, I mean, on a shelf stable, if you don't do the, the enzyme correctly, don't have your stability done correctly, right, your enzyme could get activated and create yeah. something funky going on. And, and I think in early days, there might have been some of that. Certainly, that was a concern. Um, I think that the enzymes that are on the market today, they don't have that product. And that was the big improvement was before it was like, well, how do you take these things together? And you don't want to sell somebody, oh, here's your enzyme capsule and here's your protein shake, right? Like, so the co combining the two required some tech. Um, but we had Chromax and we had done, we had over a hundred patents on chromium and um, we knew how the mechanism of action worked, which was, um, you know, increasing availability of insulin, which drove, allowed basically the, um, you know, chromium is a cofactor for insulin. And so it allows your body to take glucose out of the blood and transport it into mitochondria and be utilized. Well, along that same lines, we know that um, increasing insulin will also bring it increase uh, amino acid uptake. And so the question was, all right, how can we, you know, can we use this combination of chromium and, um, and amylopectin to basically deliver more amino acids to your somatic cells um, and therefore increase muscle protein synthesis? And it worked, you know, we were, it was kind of a funny story because we actually started with a clinical, human clinical trial, which was a huge. I mean, it was an expensive risk, you know, just with a clinical trial. And I don't know why we did it that way, but we did, but it was successful. And, um, and you know, here we are, I don't know how many years later, and, and uh, Velocitol is really, you know, I think having um, its, its heyday. People are really paying attention to the mechanism of action. We've got several clinicals on it that show, well, hey, not, does it, not only does it, increase your uh, muscle protein synthesis you know we see an actual doubling of the muscle protein synthesis yeah, i love but, the you know the one, catchphrase the double the power right. of protein it, well and then it was like well what does that actually mean in terms of performance well so we ran a, a study that looked at endpoints right where we saw that people were able to literally you know bench press more and do yeah. more squats to failure and and you know we compared and that's why we looked at 15 grams of protein alone, 30 grams of protein alone, or 15 grams of protein 
plus velocitol. And, you know, lo and behold, that the 20, or excuse me, the 15 grams of, of protein with velocitol actually, in most in instances, outperformed 30 grams. We were kind of hoping that you'd see an equality, but it turned out, yeah. you know, it, it actually outperformed it. So new level, um, very different process. Um, it actually started with people, users of nitrosagene saying, man, I've got, you know, gym rats saying, we see focus. You know, I see an improvement in focus. And we, um, we then did some cognitive stuff. Um, some cognitive tests to see what we could find it. And we saw huge improvements in people's uh, trail making uh, ability, which is a test of mental acuity and focus. And from there, we said, well, this is a, an amazing benefit for athletes, right? To include, improve your focus. Yeah. And we did um, tests where people, where we physically exhausted people, you know, we put them on a, as I recall, the study went something like this, like, you do a baseline test, um, you know, they get supplemented, they do test again, they jump on a treadmill, run to exhaustion, give them so much time to recover, run to exhaustion, give them so much time to recover. Third time they run to exhaustion and they say, here you go, do your, do your, your tests now, your trail making, your stroop test or whatever. And we saw that even under these fatigue position, conditions, people, significantly uh, improve their mental uh, capacity, right? Um, so they, we saw that, you know, with, in the, in the control group, you know, physical fatigue resulted in decline in, um, in cognitive function. And what we found was when we gave people nitrosagene, it, it prevented this decline hugely like 58 percent improvement um and so from there it was kind of well what you know can what's a cognitive ingredient look like is there a way that we can make this work even better for cognitive and along that way um one of our salesmen happens the salesman happened to be very good friends with um dennis scott um who's a retired mba player and uh, the host of uh, TNT's NBA TV. And so Skip and I were having lunch with Dennis and Dennis, uh, you know, kind of mentions, you guys, have you guys heard of Twitch? <laughs> no, what's that, <laughs> right? And he's like, I'm kind of new to it myself, but you know, he's telling us all these things he's doing with GameStop and he's, he says, yeah, these guys, during like playoff games, these Twitch channels sometimes have more people, more people watching that than, you know, the live basketball game. And that was kind of mind blowing to me. I don't know why in retrospect, because really, if you think about what's the difference between watching an athletic event where, you know, you have, you know, actual people running around or you have, you know, the video game version, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still watching an activity. Um, so we kind of came back, did some research, and we said, this esports thing is about to get huge. Hey, you guys must have done that like real early on because if you're talking yep. like 
early Twitch days. That's that's, that's pre gaming supplements. Yeah, exploding, yeah essentially. There were some, but not that many. Was that like 2016 I, or 17? Yeah, I think that meeting was probably 2015 or 16. Damn, man, you you, yeah. you you lucked out real well on that one coming across we, that we one. We did, oh, we damn. did. Um, and then with Lashriva, it was a similar process where we were like, you know, where are markets that there hasn't been anything new and innovative in a while? You know, what, yeah, okay. what can we, yeah. you know, how can we make a better disc? You, you know, that's one of the, if you kind of look at our ingredient portfolio, it is largely very diverse. a better version of something else, right? But it's so, still quite, I feel like it's quite broad too. You've got, you don't just have like stim, pump, performance. You don't have specifically sports nutrition things. It's like a nice diversity. I think Velocidol really helps that too. It does. And, and I think what we'll see at some point in the future um, is kind of um, people using Velocitol or, or some version of it as a way of um, maintaining muscle, like in seniors, for instance, right? Oh, okay. As you age, it's harder. You know, you get sarcopenia, um, which I think technically is a disease state, so it wouldn't treat sarcopenia. But maybe there's something that, you know, brands are talking about, well, what is, what does healthy aging mean, right? As people are living longer, um, they want to live better lives. And so you, you can see things like Velocitol going in, you know, some of these senior products, not just bodybuilders, well, no, not I can just see people that. who want to perform better. I mean, getting, getting what the effects of 15 grams is without ingesting 30 grams is, so getting the effects of 30 grams while ingesting half is obviously, you know, for bodybuilding, I think it's more like, I'm still going to have the 30. I'm just going to have double the right. <laughs> <Obviously>, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Not 30. I'm still going to have 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, that's like the sports nutrition route. It's like, let's not right. half it and double it. Let's just keep it the same and double it. And But I can see the benefit greatly on mainstream people. So people outside of sports nutrition to get get the benefit of double while taking half because limitations and certain things well, and everything. Yeah. And I think, I think where you really see uh, an advantage uh, is the bars like Mark, Mark Lobeliner put it in the, um, his breakfast bar. The, yeah. The breakfast bar. Yeah. The, um, his outright, his outright breakfast bar. Thank you. Yeah. Outright, outright breakfast bar um, is a great addition. Um, and, and, you know, that's when you think about it, I mean, that's, part of the reason we did like 15 grams was because it's like you know if you just bars that are 20 30 grams they are usually well, Mark's not is, as Mark's good is, Mark's is right around your level he's Mark's is usually yeah, 16 to 17 like, exactly or um you know I, the other one that um uh the the ap protein brownies right they're in oh, yes, like yep. 15 16 grams and, you know, I think there's ones that my kids like the core power protein, they're at 12 grams. You know, these are these lower protein bars are more palatable, I think, to the masses. Oh, yeah. yeah and right. if you, you, you add something like Velocitol where you can get similar benefits, I, I think that's a huge win. You know, I think there's also an environmental argument to be made, right? Um, whether your plant, your protein is coming from plant source or animal source, you know, producing protein is resource intensive. 
compared to, you know, carbohydrate. So I think that if there's something we can do that helps people get the most out of every bit of protein that they're taking, then, you know, I think that there's, there's that benefit as well. I think that's the coolest thing about the ingredient companies and sort of just like yourself, Nutrition 21, and is that I realize how small sports nutrition is because when you kind of hear that these guys like yourself, are, you obviously have brands that you work with that are far beyond sports nutrition that aren't just pre-workouts, protein powders. And, and you kind of hear that how much and how widespread supplements is. It's, it's kind of, it's just kind of cool hearing uh, like you're saying where these, these applications could apply and all these ingredients could work. And then ingredient companies, while they're a big part of the sports nutrition space, what you do isn't just limited to you know, bigger muscles it's, and more energy. It's, it's not. And, you know, when I remember when we launched nitrosagene, it was, hey, let's focus on the bodybuilders because the bodybuilders influence, you know, the sports industry at in a yeah. broader range. And that's something I think that we've really seen over the last decade too, is that um, what, you know, it was something like, you know, only 2% of the population was bodybuilders. Well, <laughs> if you look at the amount of sports nutrition that's been sold, obviously it's not just bodybuilders yeah. supporting it, right? It is now, sports nutrition is really now healthy lifestyle. And as the industry has expanded, you know, we've been able to you know, tap into it and grow with it. I think someone, I'll finish with this, is I think someone the other day said that, um, he said that you've got people now where their mom takes pre-workout, whereas back when I took pre-workout the first time, like my mom didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And she's like, and his example was, it sounds weird, but he says it's a great example because now you know that the older generation know what pre-workout is, they use it. And then you've got kids who take it and they're the same age you were when you first took it. And he said, that just kind of That's gives funny. you the idea on how, yeah, it was a funny example, but I was like, I get it. Cause you're yeah. right back in well, the day. I, I'll yeah. tell you an even funnier story. I remember in high school, somewhere along the way, I learned that, you know, acetylcholine was a neurotransmitter. And I figured out that I could take a choline supplement and I think it was B, six or B12 and your body would convert that into acetylcholine. So here I am a high school student saying, I'm going to improve my brain, my, my grades by, you know, basically biohacking, um, you know, at age 16. And I remember going to GNC, which was the only choice in Pittsburgh, you know, uh, as a kid. Uh, I mean, I was the only, all there was was GNC and going in there and, and buying these supplements and my mom being like are you sure they're safe and i'm like mom they're b vitamins and she'd been like right but are you sure they're safe <laughs> yeah the safe the safe thing yeah usually just classic, anything body like sports nutrition is a drug everything is like a like my mom used to call creatine steroids it's yeah now it's now look, i think it's look, there's still unfortunately you know you still have state legislators trying to yeah, you know that. prevent prevent <laughs> um you know teenagers from getting creatine which is probably the single best studied nutrient out there and its original use by the way was in neonatal um neonates with uh, a particular disorder and they were giving these you know five six seven pound babies like four 
to six grams. And people were like, yeah, (laughs) it it helped with some cognitive issue. I forget what the disorder is. Rich Kreider could tell you all about it. He's the one who told me about it. I don't know if you know Dr. Kreider at Texas A&M, but he's quite the, him and Jeff Stout are pretty much the uh, gurus on creatine. Well, I'm going to have to look into that. But yeah, man, well, thank you for taking the time. It's been, as I, I feel like I said on a few of my other podcasts, I, I feel a little smarter now. I feel like I know a lot more. I feel like I've heard some cool stories on my Trostogy and New Level. I can tell people kind of the, the birth of them. And um, this has been really cool. And thank you for taking the time. Thank, thank you for taking the time and inviting me on. Well, uh, happy to do it again sometime.